If you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. I had a pretty crazy situation that happened with my ex about five years ago. And while some people may look at it and think that it's not really that big of a deal, it seriously scared the absolute hell out of me. I'm going to try and not make this story a long read, but I am a bit of a wordy person, and I'm sorry if it comes through as being way too verbose. So, like I mentioned, Five years ago, I was in a relationship with a lovely lady named Elena. Elena and I were dating for about five months, give or take a couple of weeks. I was pretty happy with her for the most part. We got along well enough, we agreed on most things, and I think we were both pretty comfortable with how things were going between us. It was hitting a point where it was getting kind of serious and I was personally thinking about the future. I really thought that we had something going at around that five-month mark, but then there's the story of how she became my ex. I showed up at her place one day to surprise her and ask her to go to dinner with me. I was dressed nicely and ready to spend a good amount of money on literally anything she wanted that night. Except I found out that what she wanted was to spend the night with her ex-boyfriend, and not me. When I showed up at her place, I literally saw them in the living room through the window, and while I won't describe what I saw, I will say that it was pretty obvious that she was enjoying her time with him. It hurt, but it was also one of those moments where the pain led to clarity. She clearly didn't want to be with me and I could accept that. I actually called her phone while standing outside of her place, and when she answered and told me that she was just watching some TV to relax, I kind of went into smart-ass mode and said something like, it must be hard to watch the TV with the TV off and your ex on top of you, huh? She looked out the window and saw me, and I gave her a slight wave, and then walked back to my car and left. Like I said, it hurt, but I finished that night out by going to a nice steakhouse with my mom. That may sound pathetic to some, but I took my mother out for a nice dinner, and I told her that Elena and I had broken up, and I just wanted to spend some time with her. She appreciated it, and that's all that matters. Of course... Elena wanted to try and fix things with me and kept calling me. I turned my phone off for the night and decided that I would talk to her again the next day. When she called me and told me that it wasn't what it looked like, which is a great excuse to use when someone's literally watching the whole thing from the window, I told her that I didn't care and that she just needed to come over and get the stuff that she had left at my place. After about an hour of arguing, I pretty much told her that if she didn't come get her things, I would be burning them out back that night, so 
She had about half an hour. She relented and said she would come get them. And I thought that that would be it. I thought that she got it, but of course I was wrong. When she showed up, she tried her damnedest to convince me that it was a one-time thing and that she made a mistake. Which, yeah, she left her blinds wide open while going at it with her ex. That was a pretty dumb mistake. I told her that I wanted nothing to do with her, and that I was done with our relationship, and that I hoped that she would be happy with her ex. It was then that she got aggressive with me, screaming about how I needed to think about what I was throwing away, and that if I was seriously going to break up with her, I would regret it. After arguing about all that, she went into the denial phase of things and started screaming that the relationship wasn't over because she didn't agree to break up with me. I told her that it wasn't a contract, and that she was being creepy but she just kept saying that we weren't broken up. I'd finally had enough and gotten enough of my anger out, so I told her to leave. She just said, okay. But of course, as she left, she tried to exit with, I love you. I said a few choice words and admittedly shoved her out of my door and locked it. Once again, I thought that that was the end of it all. I thought that she would get it eventually, but the constant phone calls and texts proved otherwise. She called me constantly over the next couple days. I answered one of her calls and she tried to give me a sob story about how much she missed me and was thinking about me. I told her that I wasn't thinking about her at all, and that I had never been happier now that she was gone. She laughed at this. She actually laughed when I told her that I was happy without her, and said that I was being, in her words, so silly. After I stopped answering her calls and texts, I started getting calls from people that I knew. My mom called me asking why she was calling her. My brother said that she had showed up at his house, an hour away, and asked him if he had spoken to me. She'd only been to his house one time, and that was near the beginning of our relationship, so I was surprised that she remembered how to even get there. I got a call from a couple of my pals saying that she was texting them and asking them to call me and tell me to talk to her. It really hit the pinnacle when my boss called me and said that she was seriously at my work asking for me on my day off, and that she had said that she wasn't leaving until she spoke to me. I told him to go ahead and call the cops and have her trespassed, which he thankfully did. It was at this point that I called her and screamed at her to leave me the hell alone. I told her that if she didn't stop bothering everyone, I would get a restraining order against her. I told her that I just wanted this to be a peaceful breakup and that I really wished her the best, but her future was not with me. Of course, she kept trying to convince me that we were right for each other, that she was my soulmate, that I needed her. I told her no, just pretty much like that, and hung up the phone. At that point, I probably should have contacted the cops and tried to get a no-contact order, but honestly, I wasn't sure if they would give me one because she hadn't really broken any laws. 
she was being annoying and I guess technically harassing me, but there hadn't been any reports of anything yet, beside the trespassing, and they likely wouldn't be able to do anything about it. So, like a dumbass, I let it go and just said that this would be the end. Then, about a week later, I realized that it wasn't going to be the end. I'd been out most the night, and had been drinking with my friends, just trying to have a great night with the guys. I'd pretty much gotten to a mental state where I'd forgotten about the whole thing, and I was pretty well happy, especially with whatever I was mixing that night. I was not blackout drunk, but I was definitely feeling it. When I got home that night, everything was as it was supposed to be in my life. My friend, Jack, dropped me off and made sure that I got into my apartment and that I got to bed. He told me that he would lock the door on his way out so that I didn't have to worry about anything. I drunkenly thanked him, and that's the last thing that I remember before passing out on my bed. I remember it, though, so that tells me that I was not blackout drunk. Just pretty drunk. When I finally woke up the next morning to my head starting to hurt, I opened my eyes and nearly pissed my pants. As soon as I opened my eyes, I saw Elena in the bed next to me, just staring at me with a creepy smile. I completely flipped out and asked her what the hell she was doing, and she told me that she was watching me sleep because I look so cute when I don't know what's going on. That told me all I needed to know. I grabbed my phone, and I called 911. I told them that my ex-girlfriend had broken into my home, and that I needed the police there right away. The whole time that I was on with the dispatcher, she was screaming about how she was going to tell the cops that I assaulted her, that I beat her, and other things. She told me that she would make sure that I went to prison. Again, all while I was on the phone with the dispatcher, so thankfully they had it on recording. I immediately went outside to wait for the cops, and kept the person on the phone until they got there. Of course, this was a mess in and of itself. Telling them that she had broken into my apartment while I was home, and that I smelled like alcohol because I was drunk the night before. They definitely didn't see the emergency in what I was saying, but I basically said that I wanted her out of my house that my name was on the house and hers wasn't, and that I wanted to charge her for trespassing. They then, reluctantly, went in and told her to get out, and of course she tried to tell them that I hit her. At this point it looked like a lover spat to them, so they just did what they could to get her off the property. I thanked them and asked them how to get a restraining order, and thankfully one of the officers did seem to actually see what was going on, and he gave me the information I needed. After I got the restraining order, she actually seemed to get that it was over, and she didn't bother me much anymore. I have no idea how the hell she got into my house. Jack told me that he made sure he locked the front door. All of my windows and back doors were always locked, and she didn't have a key, 
That is, unless she had stolen my key while we were together and made a copy. Thankfully, this was pretty much the end of it all, and I haven't seen her since. The reason that I even thought about this and thought about submitting the story to you it was that she actually tried to add me recently on Facebook. I was a bit confused on who it was at first because her first name was Elena, which told me it was probably her, but her last name was the same as mine. I decided to snoop around on her timeline a bit, and, come to find out, she had actually just gotten out of another relationship and changed her name to match mine. What's even funnier, after I messaged her and told her to leave me the hell alone, I saw that she changed her relationship status to, it's complicated. You may have heard this time and time again, but I didn't grow up in the best environment. I ended up in an alternative high school after getting into a fight with one of the teachers. I'm not the same person that I used to be, though, so judge me if you want. I don't care. Anyways, the alternative school didn't do us any favors either. The teachers all looked dead inside. They all had the same pissed-at-the-world mentality... They didn't have any cares for us or what happened outside their own classrooms, and they barely cared what occurred in them. If you didn't turn in work on time, then it sucked to be you. There were never grace periods or teachers willing to work with you. It was an old rundown elementary school that they had turned into an old school, while the little kids got a whole new one. It was drab and colorless like they ripped out all the happiness, color, and cheer and took it with them. I was definitely one that would occasionally skip classes, too. My home life wasn't any better. I never knew my dad and my mom was hardly ever home. If she was, she was so blitzed out of her mind that she could hardly remember my name. The only thing I cared about, or that kept me going, was my little sister, Shayla. She was probably around six at the time, and I did everything for her. I was often left alone with her to bathe, feed, and change her when she was younger. Shayla's grandma, we had different dads, would watch her sometimes during the day, but then would drop her off around the time I got home from school. I would ask her where my mom was, and she never knew either, but would still leave us at home. So, it was really just Shayla and I growing up for the most part. However, there was one other person that I did start to grow close to. That was Miss Grace. That was her first name. And she told us that we could call her by that to be more personal and less of an authority figure. Grace was completely different from any other teacher. She was bright, happy, and compassionate... She was never not smiling while in school. She greeted students in the hallway as they entered her class and as they left. She was always willing to help or explain the curriculum further if someone didn't understand. She was the math teacher, but she would also help kids with other topics if they came to her, 
such as language or history classes. She was by far easier to approach than the others as well. She personally made an impact on me when she actually talked to me like another adult, rather than some delinquent child. She would talk to me about what I wanted to do with my life. She asked me what inspired me, what my interests were and the likes. The fact that she didn't judge me or push me to go to a certain college, or any college for that matter, or give me some soapbox speech about wasting my life. I even talked to her about my little sister. From then on, I felt like I could talk to her like the mother that I never had. She asked me about school, how I was doing at home, and even about my little sister. If not for her, I probably wouldn't have graduated. Anyways, while I was genuinely grateful for Grace, I was still hanging out with the wrong crowd. I didn't have a job, and there weren't many places in the area that hired under 18, so since I was often left to fend for myself and my sister, and without any food or money in the house, I had to get money somehow. So, we stole. We would go to stores in the next city over so we could potentially get away easier. We would take anything that could fit into our pockets. Cheap jewelry, video games, CDs, or movies. We also tried cars that were unlocked in parking lots. I know it wasn't right, and yes, I do regret everything I did, but at the time, I didn't know what other options I had. One thing that we never did, though, was break into houses. We never had any tools to do so, nor was I ever really interested in it. On this night, though, we didn't have much luck, so my friend suggested that we try to hit up some houses. He said that he knew a neighborhood that he had been casing recently that would be good for it. It was a normal, middle-class-looking place. Small houses, some in better shape than others, and most of them didn't even have garages, so he thought it would be easy to tell if someone was home or not. I still did not like the idea of houses, though, because... I thought the charges for a B&E were worse than stealing a few cheap watches from a retail store. They were all pretty mad at me, but said that I could either walk home from where I was, or I could just be the driver slash lookout. That way I would still get a cut of whatever we made. I ended up agreeing with the latter. We got through literally two houses, one of which they couldn't even get into. I tried telling them this was a bust and that we should leave, but they ignored me, and they made their way to the next house. They had me park on the road, turn the lights off, and wait. After a few minutes of sitting there, looking out the house and back to the road in front and behind me, I started getting really nervous. Something was telling me that we needed to get out of there and fast, but... I had no way to really alert them other than flashing the lights like they told me to. I decided that I would signal them and then just give some excuse about seeing a car drive by or a person walking down the street. However, before I could do so, I heard a gunshot, and it was from the house that my friends were in. I started to panic. As far as I knew, my friends didn't have a gun, so my only thought was that they just got shot. I didn't know what to do. Do I leave? 
Do I try to get them out of there? Before I had time to process, though, they both came running out of the front door telling me to get out of there. I found out afterwards that one of them did indeed have a gun, but I had no idea. My other friend claimed that he didn't know he had one either, but I still don't know if I believed that. We burned out of there, went back to one of my friend's places, and checked out our hole for the night. I know it might sound stupid, but even though I'd gotten into fights, guns were never my thing. I cut contact with one guy because he was chilling at my place and brought one, knowing that my little sister was there. I went off on him and nearly threw him out the door, so the thought that we may have hurt, if not killed someone, scared the hell out of me. My friend said that he heard something which made him fire, but claimed that he didn't see anybody. My other friend said that he wasn't in the room when he heard the shots, so he couldn't confirm. I didn't really believe them. We had never done this before, so why would you immediately fire instead of trying to leave first? I couldn't get the thought out of my mind all night, and I even told them that I wasn't feeling well and decided to walk home. I personally decided to go to school the next day to try to make things feel as normal as possible. However, that day would not be the normality that I was hoping for. Ms. Grace's class had a substitute. The thing is, though, Grace never missed class. She never had a substitute, so I found it strange. I didn't put two and two together until it was almost spelled out for me. Rumors started spreading that Grace was into something bad, and that's why she wasn't there. Then, it turned into that she had been shot. I got home and tried to look into it more, but I couldn't find anything on Grace. However, they did gloss over the news that there had been a shooting in the same area that we had been in. It was, in fact, Grace's house that we had broken into. The guy that shot her dropped out or just didn't go to the school, so he didn't know her. The other guy did, but didn't have her as a teacher, so I don't know if he really didn't see her or the shot, or what happened, and I never will. The news was agonizing to me, knowing that I was part of the reason that she was hurt, someone that cared about me. Thankfully, she did survive, and in fact, she came back probably sooner than any other teacher would have. She'd been shot in the back in her right shoulder. She had on a sling for a while, but otherwise, she was her normal, smiling and bubbly self. This added to the grief and guilt that I had. After talking with her over the next week or so, contemplating my options, I finally cracked. I didn't want to go to the police, being that my friends would find out, and I would have a label slapped on my forehead. So, I asked to speak to Grace after school, posing it as help with homework. I had never cried in front of someone before, but Grace was the first person to see it. I broke down and told her everything that happened, and I apologized until I didn't have a voice. The only thing this woman did was grab my hand, smiled, and forgave me. She shared with me a quote that was something like, when you forgive, you don't change the past, but you can change the future. 
I've held on to that since then because not only did she say it, but she showed it. I asked her if I should go to the police and also asked her if she wanted their names and she told me that was up to me to decide. I thought it was over, but before I could make a decision, apparently my friend that had shot her had been arrested as he was bragging about it to others. I also came forward with my side of the story, but Grace didn't press charges on any of us. The shooter had prior charges, so he was looking at time, but was also shortened and given probation due to Grace speaking to the judge to give them leniency. Me and my other friend had community service, which was deserved, in my opinion. This event definitely changed my life. She could have gone to the police and told them everything, getting us the worst possible sentences for our age, possibly ruining our last chance at a normal life, but she didn't. She forgave us. I know this may not have been too scary for some, but being that I was 17 at the time and having crippling guilt that I may have been the cause of someone's death, it was overbearing. I wouldn't wish that on my enemies. And also knowing that something like that could happen to someone close to you, someone that means so much to you was enough to make me realize that life is fragile. I was wasting my life, and if I didn't make a change, I could end up dead, or even put Shayla's life in danger. So, please, if you take anything from this, it's to not do what I did. Make something of yourself, or at least make it to where you've made a difference in the world, or someone else's. Be someone's grace. I have a bit of a creepy and short story about my ex-boyfriend. It's one of those stories that was weird to me, and it is creepy, but I genuinely never expected Adam to do what he did, because he didn't seem like he was the type. The year that we were together in high school, he was kind-hearted and a sweet guy, so to have him end up so vindictive and aggressively petty, it was so far out of left field. I guess I should further explain our relationship and Adam as a person to really make it clear just how weird this was. Adam and I were, as I said, high school sweethearts. We got together junior year and were together all through senior year, and he was a smart kid. He got good grades and he and I got along well enough to make it a good relationship. We were one of the couples in high school that everybody knew. Like, if you said Megan and Adam, they knew who we were, and that we were together. Unfortunately, we ended up growing apart pretty quickly after graduation. I had ideas for what I wanted to do, he had ideas for what he wanted to do, and they just didn't mesh together. So, we ended up deciding that we needed to go ahead and see other people. I won't get into the specifics of all that. It was sad, but for the best. Skip ahead to around a year or so later, 
and I've moved on and not really thought about Adam for a little while. Not to be rude, but I had just moved on with my life and everything was going pretty well for me. I wasn't dating anyone at the time, but I did have a few guys that I spoke with often and was pretty close to. They knew that I wasn't seeing anyone, and they all also knew that I wasn't really looking to get with anyone. So, imagine my surprise when I get a text from one of them asking me when I got back with Adam. I called him, and asked what the hell he was talking about. He then told me that I had changed my relationship status on Facebook to being in a relationship with Adam, and that I had been posting pictures of him on my wall all day, talking about how much I loved and appreciated him, and how happy I was that we were back together. Big problem with that is that I didn't have a Facebook account. I'd had one at one time, back when I was a freshman, but I had deleted it a long time prior to this conversation. So, I asked him for a link. When I tried to visit the account, pretty much everything on it was, of course, privated, but the account had my name and an older photograph of me. I then asked my friend to send me screenshots of the page so that I could see what they were saying. Sure enough, this page was posting a ton of things about how they loved Adam more than anything, and they were posting a ton of old pictures of us, talking about how happy we were together, and several other things that were really weird. He then said that he had also gotten a message from the account, and the person pretending to be me told him that, since I was back with Adam, we couldn't be friends anymore. He messaged them to call him, and the person just responded with, Sorry, I can't. What really sucked was that this person had added quite a few people as friends, and apparently it had existed for a couple of months to make it look more legitimate. My friends had all accepted the friend request, thinking it was me, but Facebook wasn't really a point of conversation, so none of them had told me about it. They just thought it was a normal thing that had occurred. They thought I had started an account to keep in touch, and added my friends. I ended up texting everyone that I could to tell them that the person on Facebook was not me, that it was someone that was pretending to be me. I say someone, but I knew who it was. I did actually end up making an account on Facebook and adding everyone, and then making a post about how I was not with Adam, and that the person that was saying they were me was not me. In the post, I also requested that everybody block them. Interestingly enough, that fake account actually blocked me, and then started posting about how my real account was fake, and that they needed to block me. It was almost funny. As messed up as it was, it was a situation that I really couldn't do much about, and I just had to pretty much ignore it. My friend kept the person on their friends list, and even though everyone that they had been adding had blocked them, they kept on pretending for the better part of a year. They would constantly post about things that they did, things that didn't happen, dates that never occurred. They posted every month about their month anniversary. 
They posted about how they were engaged and even had a fake date for their wedding. Adam literally kept this facade up for around 10 months before finally abandoning it. And he did so for an audience of nobody except himself and the one friend that kept me looped in. If it wasn't so creepy and sad, it would have almost been hilarious that he was so obsessed with pretending to be with me. In the end, I never contacted him about it, because I knew he would deny it, and I really didn't care. I made sure that everyone knew it was fake and that no one fell for it after the beginning. I know some people may say that this wasn't that creepy, but to me, it really was. Adam was clearly not okay, and I never would have expected him to do this, considering how our relationship went when we were together, and that our breakup was a completely mutual thing. I'm a 30-year-old male. I was having a bit of a dry patch with dating. I'd broken up with my fiancé, and I was absolutely crushed by it. I found out that she had been cheating on me through the last six months of the relationship. I didn't want or need anything serious, though. Mainly, I wanted to see what was out there, maybe find a friend or something. I made my profile matched with a couple of women who I was attracted to, and liked their profile. It was a mixed result. Some of the women seemed to like me, and others weren't really all that interested. It happens, though. One of the women seemed nice at first. Let's call her Julie. She worked as a nurse and was pretty busy. Given my job and other commitments, that worked well for me. I didn't want someone who could potentially become too clingy. Julie and I messaged each other, exchanged some pictures, and talked to each other. She had a nice voice. I didn't tell her where I worked, but I didn't realize that she had somehow managed to find where I worked. I work as a lawyer in a local law firm. She came to my workplace. We hadn't even gone on a date or met up yet. I wasn't very happy to see her, to be honest. I came out and spoke to her, and I politely asked her not to come to my workplace again, and stated that it made me uncomfortable. She agreed that it wasn't the best, and things seemed to be okay. I was completely put off by her behavior that I decided I didn't want to have anything to do with her. I sent her a message later that day and told Julie that I didn't want to talk to her anymore. Looking back, I probably should have just ghosted her and left it at that. But I removed her and then blocked her. The next day, I go to the office and the security guy walked up to me. He told me that my friend was back again. When I turned to look at her, she was waiting outside the company property, just staring at me. I told the security office that I wanted nothing to do with her and to keep her away. He agreed. I started noticing her around more and more. Eventually, I put her out of my head and found a woman that I did get along with. She always made me smile, and 
I decided that it was time to give it a go. We went out on a couple of dates together, and after a month or so of dating, we decided to actually be a couple. Things were going well. She called me, and she sounded upset whenever I answered. She then asked me if I was cheating on her, and this took me by surprise. I wasn't, and I told her that. And she then told me that someone called Julie messaged her on Facebook and told her that we were together. My girlfriend believed me and told her to screw off. She, however, kept trying to contact her and message her. It actually took months of Julie harassing my girlfriend before she finally disappeared. I don't know why or how, and I don't care. All I'm happy about is that Julie is no longer in my life. I have a story about a situation that happened when I was on a field trip way back in elementary school. This was a long time ago, somewhere close to 30 years ago, so I may have forgotten some of what happened, but I think I remember a majority of it, and definitely enough to properly demonstrate why it was so terrifying. This happened when I was in the third grade, so I would have been around nine at the time, I believe. The elementary school that I attended had an agreement with the local education farm-like place so that we could go and visit it every year from first through third grade. I say farm-like because it wasn't set up to be an actual farm, but at the same time it was. I'm not really sure how to explain it beyond it was a farm, but... It was built to be more about educating the kids about what happens at a farm than actually producing food and products. They did have cows, and they had a few orchards with various things, which is where a lot of the learning occurred. They would teach us about plants, pollination, the life cycle of insects, basically anything you could think of that a young kid would need or wants to learn about nature. I always loved going on these trips, because while we had to do all the learning activities and fill out the worksheets, and we also got to enjoy the petting zoo section of the area, and we got to feed the baby animals, or at least see them. And I have always been an avid animal lover, so really this was my favorite time of the year. Of course, we were a decent-sized class being a public school, so the teachers would always send home letters asking parents to join us to be chaperones and to make sure that we stayed out of trouble. My parents never signed up for it, but we usually had two or three that were willing to come along with us, and they would just drive out to the farm on their own to meet up with the class there so they didn't have to ride the bus with the students. On this particular field trip, things went about as normal. We got there in the morning after a long bus ride, we met with the employees and parents that were chaperoning, and the class was split into two groups, which basically got to do things in opposite order. I should probably mention that the parents and students 
were asked to wear a specific color to identify which group they were in. I was in the green group, so I was wearing a green shirt, and the other group was the red group, so they were all wearing red shirts. Group 1 had to go to the orchard, and Group 2 had to go to the animal section of the farm first, and then after lunch we would switch. I was in Group 1, which was being accompanied by two adults, neither of which I personally knew, and then the employee that was taking us on the tour and explaining things. We got through the first half of the day, had our lunch, and then had some free time before the second unit of the lesson. So... We were told that we could walk around the petting zoo area, and that we needed to come back when they blew the whistle. I was super excited to see all the animals. I loved petting the goats and feeding the chickens, and they were two of the things that I was really excited to do. I ran over to the section where they were, and went over to get the chicken food. When I went to their pen, I noticed that there was a man standing off to the side, I thought that he was a parent based on how he was dressed, so I asked him if it was okay to feed them. He sort of glanced over at me and then nodded silently, and then stepped over to where I was. Again, he was dressed similarly to the other group's parents, a plain red shirt and a pair of blue jeans. It was close enough for my nine-year-old brain to think that he was a trustworthy person. I leaned down and started feeding the chickens from my hand, and tossed some of the food onto the ground, just genuinely enjoying feeding the cute little birds. When this guy asked me if I wanted to see something cool, I, of course, said that I did. And part of me thought that he was going to show me something cool with the chickens or one of the other animals. I sat there watching this man intently. He opened the gate to the pen, walked in, and went over to one of the chickens and grabbed it. Again, not too crazy. The man just knew how to catch a chicken. Now, the next part of the story, I'm not going to get into full detail, because it was graphic. What I am going to write here is that this man pulled a knife from his pocket, and he very violently killed this poor bird. I just kind of sat there in absolute shock watching this man do what he was doing until it finally clicked in my head that what was happening was a horrifying thing. I think it was the time between shock and realization. I immediately started screaming at the top of my lungs as I started bawling and freaking out over what just happened. The few moments between my starting to scream and people rushing over... This guy was just sitting there holding this dead chicken and laughing at the whole thing. When the employees showed up, one of them actually tackled this guy and held him down, and was screaming about calling the cops. My guess was because he saw the knife and blood and he went into defensive mode. I was grabbed and pulled away from the scene, and all the kids that had followed were pushed out of the area and into the building off to the side. From what I remember, the cops did show up, and they took this guy away. They ended the field trip early and kept us all inside until it was time to get back on the buses. They sent a notice home with the parents about what happened, and mentioned that the farm was going to increase security protocols and employees and all that. 
and also mentioned that there would be no time where any students would be left unattended from there on. Unfortunately, this was one of those events that got seared into my brain and became a core memory. I remember the entire event, and I really wish it was one of those things that I could just forget. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that it's never going to go away. I have a fairly short story from when I was a teacher's assistant at an elementary school. I was working my way to trying to be a teacher, but this was actually the event that made me rethink whether or not that was the career path that I wanted to take. The class that I was an assistant to was a second grade class, meaning the kids were around seven years old. I genuinely loved the class, and I worked under one of the nicest old ladies, Ms. Matthews. She was a very smart old lady, but she was also pretty old-fashioned, and she kind of had this mentality of, just let the kids be kids, and I think that might have been one of the reasons that the situation escalated to where it did. I'm not going to give the details of every single thing that happened, but I'll include the most important ones, the ones that really showed the situation escalating. In this class, there were a bunch of really sweet and innocent kids, and then there was one girl that we're going to call Mary, obviously not her real name. Mary was a very quiet child and at the beginning she seemed like she was just shy. I tried my best to talk with her and try to get her to open up, but she was very shut off and reclusive to both myself and Ms. Matthews. She would start to talk to us about things, but then would just suddenly stop and be quiet. The first thing that happened with Mary was a simple argument between her and a boy in the class. It was during an indoor recess. We had to stay inside because it was downpouring outside. The kids were playing various games in the classroom. Some of them were drawing at their desk and such. Mary and a boy from the class were in the corner playing one of the kiddie card games that the teacher had, and I could hear her get angry at him over something. He said something back to her, and she responded by getting louder with him. And after a few minutes, she stood up and shouted at him. It's not that she shouted that was the scary part. It's what she shouted. She stood up and screamed, I'm going to effing cut your penis off. But in much less friendly words. Words that a seven-year-old should not know nor be saying. I pulled her out of the classroom and spoke with her about her words, and there was some minor punishment, but we just ended up sending a note home with her to her parents explaining the situation. After this, she went back to being just kind of the quiet kid in class, and it seemed like a one-off incident. Until about three weeks later. The kids were in gym class, which was taught by another teacher, during this class, myself and Ms. Matthews were back in our room doing grading on some of the papers. 
about ten minutes in, Ms. Matthews got a call on her desk phone, and as soon as she answered it, the look on her face went from happy to upset, and she hung up saying that we needed to head down to get the class. Come to find out, Mary had bitten another kid during a game of dodgeball. She got hit with the ball and had, seemingly out of nowhere, ran up to the kid that threw the ball and bit her shoulder really hard. Thankfully, she wasn't bleeding, but she was in pain and the bite mark was pretty deep. We ended up pulling Mary back to the classroom and talking to her about the whole thing. We asked her why she attacked another student, and she, with literally no emotion, said, I don't like her. She's too cute, and I want her to feel pain. Obviously, this is a problem, and it was something that we had to address with her parents. We ended up calling her grandmother because we couldn't get a hold of her listed parents. She came up and asked us what happened, and we explained the whole situation to her. She seemed to not really care about it, and she tried to explain that Mary had some problems. When I tried to ask her about her issues and kind of implied that they may have been behavioral issues and that she should potentially be checked out by a psychiatrist, Ms. Matthews actually cut me off and told me that this was a situation that the family should deal with and that I was out of line for saying anything about it. After that, I shut down and I stopped talking for the rest of the meeting. Mary was suspended for a couple of days, but... She was back in the classroom the next week, and it was pretty clear that the other kids were scared of her, but also being kids, they were making fun of her for the situation. Of course, this led to escalation, and it was pretty quick. It was about three or so days after she had come back, and the teacher had done some reorganizing of students, and after everyone sat down, the girl that was now sitting next to Mary raised her hand. When she was called on, she immediately asked Ms. Matthews if she could move away from Mary because she didn't want to be bit. Some of the other kids laughed at the comment, and I could see that Mary was getting red. I made an immediate statement that her question was inappropriate and that she needed to apologize, but as soon as I started talking... I sat there and watched Mary grab a pencil off of her desk and stab it into this girl's arm. When I say stab, I literally mean stab. The pencil went in to her arm. She started screaming in pain, and Mary just sat there smiling at this girl while she was bleeding all over the floor, and the rest of the class went into full chaos. Ms. Matthews called down to the principal's office, and they ended up calling 911 for the girl while I tried to stop it from bleeding, and tried to keep the other kids calm. The whole thing was a huge disaster, obviously. After the whole situation was taken care of and parents were contacted, I asked to speak to the principal alone. I wanted to talk to him about Mary and her issues, to see what could be done for her, Come to find out, except the one incident where she had been suspended for two days, nothing else had been documented nor mentioned to the principal, and he thought that that was just an isolated and random incident. 
I told him about how I had mentioned that she had behavioral issues and that I was shut down. And he just said that that shouldn't have happened. But that was pretty much it. Mary ended up being removed from the school and there was a whole thing where the school tried to push non-violent resolutions to the kids. It was a great idea, but implemented way too late. I seriously hate that no one tried to do anything to help Mary, that she ended up going the wrong way, and I really do think that it had something to do with her home life, but I have no way to prove that. In the end, I put in my resignation and I left the district, and it really did make me want to not work in education. I sincerely hope that Mary did find help, that someone took the time to listen to her, to figure out what her issues were, and did everything they could to assist her. She seemed like she was such a sweet girl, but something was definitely wrong with her. I have a weird story about an ex-girlfriend that was absolutely crazy, but I didn't really know that she was crazy until a while after we broke up. When we were together, it was a great time. Emily was pretty much just a pure ball of energy and spontaneity. She was all about doing whatever we wanted when we wanted to, and she was typically up for anything. I loved that about her, and I would say that the three years that we were together were some of the best times of my life. I learned a lot about who I am, I had a lot of great times, and it was fun as hell. But all good things have to come to an end. While we were both really happy with each other and I thought we were going to get married, she ended up breaking up with me because she didn't want to be held down. She took my optimism of getting married to her and having a family as me attempting to have her settle down and dull her shine. I never meant for it to be like that, and I wanted to be with her, but if she wasn't willing to plan for the future, and she wasn't willing to calm down some, then it wasn't going to work. After talking through this for several days, and after spending a lot of time reflecting as a couple that loved each other, we both decided that we needed to move on with our lives without each other. Of course, I was deeply cut by this whole situation, and she seemed like she was as well, but it was her idea and a mutual decision. Neither of us was yielding on our position, I ended up moving out of our apartment and back in with my parents for a while, until I could get back on my feet. And while she and I agreed that we should still talk, it obviously wasn't going to work. The conversations would just end up with us talking about the good times that we had, and they were kind of emotionally tormenting. I think we both hated how it felt, and we pretty much went no contact with each other, we stopped calling each other and the texting was minimal. Until after a few months, we had basically moved on completely. By the time that the story actually happened, 
we had been split up for almost seven months. And I was at a point where I was ready to move on and start looking to see if I could find someone else to spend my time with. After hanging out with a few friends and spending some time with a couple of guys in my circle, I ended up meeting Mariah. Mariah was one of the most attractive ladies I have ever met, and she and I hit it off right away. We spent the entire night that we met getting to know each other, and we agreed to meet up again in about a week and to actually have a formal date. I was ecstatic, and a bit nervous for obvious reasons. I will say that my excitement kind of made me a bit blind, specifically to the fact that Emily texting me as soon as I got home that evening should have been something that was a bit strange. The minute that I got home, I got a message from her that basically said, How are you doing? I really contemplated not responding to her because I was in a really good mood, but then I thought that that would have been incredibly rude, especially to someone that I used to love and was really close with for three years. I responded that I was doing better, that things were kind of looking up, and just things that were generally positive. I asked her how she was doing, and she ignored the question by asking me why I was in such a good mood. It was a bit odd of her to ask, but she asked, so I responded. I told her that I felt like I was finally at a point where I could move forward with my life. She responded with, so you met someone new. I told her that I may have, but said that I didn't really want to talk about that with her right then and again, asked if she was okay. She just responded with, Don't worry about me. I'll just leave you alone. I'm really glad that you're happy, Jason. I wasn't in the mood to deal with this, so I just locked my phone and kept on looking forward to the next week. The day of our date finally came along. Mariah and I had been talking pretty much daily, and it was pretty clear that this was going to be the start of something serious. We met at the place where we were going to have our dinner, and the entire night was perfect. She was exactly what I was looking for. We had the same interests, the same future plans, and based on our conversations, we had pretty much agreed to skip the dating part of things and just move straight into a relationship. Which sounds really dumb, but it honestly felt right. After we finished eating, we were about to head out, and I ran to the restroom really quick before we left. Then, we stepped out of the restaurant and we were saying our goodbyes, and right before we both left, it occurred to me that I had left my watch on the sink in the restroom. I told her that she could go and that I would call her when I got home so she didn't have to wait. But... She said that she was okay with waiting for me outside. I ran back in and went straight for the restroom, and, thankfully, the watch was still sitting on the sink. I grabbed it and made my way back out, and as soon as I stepped to the front door, what I saw horrified me. Right outside of the restaurant, just off to the side of the front door, Emily was on top of Mariah and was beating her senseless. I immediately ran out the door and 
more or less tackled Emily off of Mariah, and then went to get Mariah up from the ground. She was a mess. Her clothes were messed up, her face was bloodied, and she was very clearly confused. As soon as I started helping her, Emily started screaming about how I was hers, and that I needed to come back to her. At this point, I lost it. I started yelling about how we broke up seven months ago, about how we had agreed to not be together, and she started talking about how she was wrong, and that she knew that I loved her, and that she wanted to be with me for the rest of her life. She then started screaming about how she was pregnant, and that it was mine. Which was pretty clearly a lie. We'd been split up for, again, seven months. If she was pregnant with my kid, she would have been showing. Thankfully, around this time, the cops finally showed up. It was explained to them by the people that saw it happen that Emily had literally been waiting outside, and as soon as I walked away, she jumped Mariah. She attacked her when she wasn't paying attention, and was just beating the hell out of her. Then, after a few moments, I came out and broke it up. After a few people told the cops the same story, and the restaurant showed the officers the footage from the front security cameras, Emily ended up in cuffs. The whole time that they were dragging her away, she was screaming about how much she needed me, and how much she loved me, and how she knew we were meant to be together. And then pretty quickly changed to, this was my fault and I needed to bail her out. Basically, showing the whole world that she was crazy. I ended up going with Mariah to the hospital, because her head had hit the concrete pretty hard when Emily jumped her. It was one hell of a conversation when I had to explain to her who Emily was. Made even more awkward when I mentioned that us breaking up was actually her idea, because she didn't want to be held back. Thankfully, Mariah thought the whole thing was hilarious, and despite the stitches that she ended up with, it made the night even better. In Emily's twisted attempt to hurt Mariah and get her to not want to be with me, she actually brought us closer. Mariah and I ended up actually getting married, and we've been together ever since. And all Emily ended up doing was catching a battery charge, and giving the two of us one hell of a first date story. Hey there, friends. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast, and I really hope that you all enjoyed this collection of scary stories. If you did, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel, where I do these same stories, but a little bit earlier than I do them here on the podcast form, and also in slightly different collections. If you really enjoy the podcast, please do consider giving it a rating of any sort if the platform you're listening on has ratings. Any honest rating is appreciated by me, be it 5 star, 1 star, however you want to do it. Just know that rating the podcast helps tremendously. And, if you would like to support further, I do have a Patreon and channel memberships if you'd like to do things on the YouTube side, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to my content. 
never ever expected, but always appreciated. That said, friends, I hope that I do see you on the next episode of this podcast. And of course, until then, sleep well.